This is the final regular episode of Season 4 of Catalyst, an investigative podcast from KXAN News and Nexstar Media Group. I'm Josh Hinkle. This season is about deaths in the custody of Texas law enforcement and the fight for transparency in those cases. Cases like Herman Titus, the 21-year-old who died after collapsing in his Travis County jail cell in 2017. For years, his mother's questions about what happened went largely unanswered, until we found a way around a records roadblock by the sheriff's office, uncovering evidence Herman had complained of pain for days, and jail staff sent him back from medical to his cell without treatment shortly before his death. In Texas, when a person dies in custody, a police agency only has to release basic information, usually the front page of an investigation, which doesn't include much. But those agencies must do something else, by law, to ensure the public has a more complete picture of what happened. It's called a custodial death report. Police are supposed to fill it out and submit it to the Texas Attorney General within 30 days of someone dying in their custody. It details who the person was, what happened during their arrest, and why they died. Since the reports were first required in 1983, more than 13,000 have been filed. And today, they're searchable on the Attorney General's website, perhaps the most comprehensive collection of in-custody death records in Texas. In order to address the first demand of the program, in 1983, I was serving my first term in the Texas legislature. Walter Martinez wrote the bill that created the reporting requirement. Prior to that, I had worked in the legislature for 10 years, primarily as a chief of staff for a member from San Antonio. We had been real involved in prison reform legislation during that period in the 70s. There was a lot of problems with the, the Texas prison system, overcrowding, the way that the prisoners were treated. This House bill was born out of that period of time when there was a lot of reports about deaths in custody. What were you aiming to accomplish? The purpose of that was to hopefully get a better idea of what was happening statewide. It was about trying to create some transparency, some accountability in in the system, and to hopefully use this data for future legislation. Martinez didn't get that chance to build on his legislation and make sure it was working as intended. It was my first and only term. I was not reelected. Almost four decades later, some of the same concerns still exist. as protests over police brutality and racial injustice play out across Texas and the nation. Which is why we started to take a closer look at the reporting system in the first place, and we found a problem. Over the past five years alone, Texas police agencies have filed over 370 reports late, more than 30 days after a person died. Some have stretched over a year beyond that legal deadline. There's no question that the law needs to be reformed or improved. It's kind of a sad commentary that we are continuing to deal with those issues today. It just shows how much greater progress and reform is needed in our system. Martinez says the reform he sought with his bill got pushback from a powerful voice in Texas politics, police. So it was it was just that difficult to, to even pass it. Why do you think law enforcement was not happy with the bill? I think they considered it hostile, which, you know, I mean, it's just reporting what took place, right, and centralizing it in one place. 
I'm Kevin Lawrence. I'm the executive director of the Texas Municipal Police Association. TMPA is an association that represents over 30,000 law enforcement officers across the state of Texas. We are what a lot of people would refer to as a union. Groups like TMPA look out for the interests of police officers, even when someone dies in their custody. Along with legal help, they can step in to handle the media and control the narrative for the public. Now in this period of constant, ongoing information flow, 24-hour news cycles, the public expects to be informed of every detail of everything that's going on. I think it's gotten exacerbated right now because there really is a false narrative, a national disinformation push about law enforcement and, and you know, what is being referred to commonly as police brutality. Over the past 15 years, state records show the annual number of Texas custodial deaths gradually trend upward, but the state's overall population has also grown in that time. We're not saying there's not a problem, there's not a systemic problem. And I think we need to make sure that we remind the public of that at every turn. With the disinformation that goes out there, there's a natural inclination toward distrust and us not commenting, not providing that information feeds that distrust. TMPA and other unions often testify on legislation impacting law enforcement too. All legislation, the devil is always in the details. Transparency is not something that we're opposed to. That's the benchmark of our organizations is cops should get a fair shake. Public policy needs to be about what is right. Part of the public policy behind custodial death reports involves a penalty, a Class B misdemeanor, punishable by up to 180 days in jail if police fail to file a report. We reached out to a dozen counties with reporting problems and found none had a record in the past 10 years of anyone being charged for not following that law. My guess would be it would predominantly be at agencies that just don't know they're supposed to file the report. Some of those agencies told us they knew the report should have been filed on time. Others never got back to us. And others said they filed it correctly but weren't able to offer clear evidence of why the reporting system said otherwise. Another discovery, in nearly 130 other cases, agencies started the report but never finished, leaving parts like the manner of death pending, sometimes for years. You know, with 2,700 different law enforcement agencies across the state, the majority of which employ fewer than 10 officers, we've got hundreds of agencies that are one officer agencies. And it wouldn't be surprising since they probably have very few in custody deaths that nobody knows that requirement's out there. But it's not just small agencies. We found some of the state's largest had the most issues. The Inspector General for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, which runs the state's prison system, Harris, Tarrant, Bear, and Travis counties, and some city departments too, like Austin Police. What a city police chief, what a sheriff needs to really ask themselves is, is what happened wrong? And if it is wrong, what can I do to fix it? One Austin police report from 2017 was missing final results from the medical examiner for more than three years, a case now at the center of an excessive force lawsuit filed by attorney Jeff Edwards. Jason was a young man who was uh, going through a mental crisis. Um, the police were called. Jason Roque's parents had called 911 saying their son was suicidal. 
When Austin police arrived, they found the 20-year-old in front of the family home with a gun to his head, asking the officers to kill him. He's got a gun to his head. He's got a gun to his head. Jason had a, a, an unworkable BB gun, and to be fair to the officer, he wouldn't, wouldn't know that. Put the gun down! Jason did not pose a threat to anyone. Jason's mother was also outside. You can hear her screaming in the background. Police said the officer feared she could be in danger. And what you can see on video is he walked away from the officer. Jason is then shot once, twice. That third shot killed him. Subject down, subject down. Mr. and Mrs. Roque lost um, their son and he's never coming back. We need to block them. What happened to the officers in this case? The officers are still employed by the Austin Police Department. The city is defending the shooting. That problem that you've identified with families feeling frustrated, cities do everything in their power to hide information from families who are victims of custodial deaths. They have teams of lawyers that raise exceptions under the Public Information Act with a job towards preventing any sort of litigation from going on. It's a successful strategy, hiding evidence, not being transparent, that only really the legislature can solve. There is an importance of having timely access to information. It is vital for the public to be aware of in-custody deaths absolutely vital. Without the disclosures, you can never fix the problem and you can never look at it systemically. Over the past five years, Jason's report was one of two Austin police had filed that were missing information and two others the AG's site shows were filed late. Austin police dispute that time frame but could not provide specific dates of when they were submitted. All those cases, including Jason's, are now up to date after we started asking questions. I think that your report may do some real good in terms of helping legislators understand that this is a problem that they can fix, that they should fix. There's a lot about our criminal justice system that we have to update, to reform. The events of this year have really highlighted the need to do that. Austin you know, State Representative Eddie Rodriguez says uh, the custodial death great. report law needs more teeth. Even though the attorney general's office collects the reports, it doesn't have the statutory authority to hold anyone accountable for failing to follow the law. And like I mentioned, we found no local prosecutors enforcing the penalty. When we told you about what we had discovered, what did you think? It is something that we need to pursue legislatively. Certainly that's something we're going to look at, what we might be able to do over the next session in a bipartisan way to try to tighten that up, whether it's through the attorney general's office or to ensure that our local district attorneys are enforcing the law that requires that report to be done within 30 days. In America right now and here in Texas, this issue with police brutality, racial injustice, everything has come to a head. And it seems like this legislative session, it's ripe for change. Lots of times to pass meaningful, important legislation, timing is of the essence. We had turned to Representative Rodriguez in part because the Travis County Jail is in his house district. It's where Demisha Burns lost her son, Herman. Hopefully we'll find a way to give her some closure. And I applaud you for reporting this and to, to investigating this. It's really, really important. And it does shine a light on the issue. 
transparency, more information, and timely reporting. But it's something that's going to take all of us uh, in the legislature to get things done. We can't do it unilaterally. We do have to work with law enforcement in a way that we can all kind of agree with, with an eye on justice. Just continue doing the good work that you're doing because it's important for the public to understand what's going on. There we go. Hi, Demisha. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I really am. And we're, we're healing. We're, we're trying to heal and we're trying to move forward. We're just going to keep focusing on it at this point. At least that's what I feel like my son will want. My son will want me to just keep moving forward. House Bill 147 closes a significant loophole in our public information law that's had tragic consequences for Texas families. The last time we saw Demisha was at the state capitol. Hello, my name is Demisha Burns. Testifying for a different police transparency bill. You know, I hope y'all pass this bill. It's probably not going to benefit me because doors has been slamming in my face throughout this whole process. Travis County had withheld records in her son's case, and we'd also just discovered the county failed to complete his custodial death report, too. The medical examiner's findings were missing in the report for more than three years. We found in your son's case, they did submit the report, but at the end of it, it says the autopsy is pending. I believe that because it's like that. They don't put everything into the in like they supposed to. Mom. Yes. Our video call kept getting interrupted by Demisha's two girls. Some what? She's no longer a single mother. Demisha got married. She still cleans hotel rooms in Austin, but she's also taking accounting classes, working on her bachelor's degree. Okay, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, families want to know, and they don't want to wait months and years out to get this information. Like, they want to know right then and there. Like, I wanted to know. I wanted to know the same day it happened, and even by the time I got my son in the ground, there still was no answers. Would you have been able to do anything differently with his case? It would have just helped me maybe go through my grievance a, a little better, you know, than what I've been through because the last three years have been hard on me. It's been really hard on me trying to move past this. It would be helpful to know the complete information every time someone dies in their care, right? It's public information. And yeah, in my mind at this point, they need to honestly be held accountable. Like, you got to do your job right. If you don't want to seem like you're the bad guy all the time, then it comes a point that you got to stand up and do the right thing. And I'm not just speaking for myself. Like, I'm speaking for anybody who ever lost somebody in custody. Herman's wasn't the only Travis County case with issues. In the past five years, seven reports were filed either late or incomplete. After we pointed out the problem, the sheriff's office said it was taking the matter very seriously, notified staff of their duties, and updated all of those reports. Your family has been through a lot. Clearly something needs to change. It's, it's a good thing that you're bringing it up. And when lawmakers return to the Capitol, Demisha says she'll do the same. I will be there with bells on. Sharing her struggle and Herman's story once again. And if we keep fighting and we keep speaking up, it's gonna change. We'll update you as Texas' next legislative session plays out in 2021. For more details, go online now to deadincustody.com. 
and while this episode wraps up the case of Herman Titus, check back in one week for a bonus episode where our team sits down for an in-depth conversation with Ava Ruth Moravec, executive director and co-founder of the Texas Justice Initiative. We've become more data literate as a society, and this is something that we now almost expect. And to learn that there is such a lack of it when it comes to criminal justice, I think is very eye-opening for people, especially when you look at how much we spend on law enforcement and criminal justice. She brings insight into the data her group compiled, which we analyzed for our investigation. You won't want to miss it. Catalyst is reported, produced, and edited by me, Josh Hinkle, along with David Barrere. Digital support for this episode comes from Andrew Choate, Stephanie Dockery, Arzo Dost, Rachel Garza, Eric Leffenfeld, Matt Mitchell, Sarah Rafik, Christine Sanchez, Martin Sanchez, Robert Sims, Kate Winkle, and Corbin Wright. KXAN's news director is Chad Cross, and its vice president and general manager is Eric Glassberg.